Went through the brewery at Rushville. Cause I, I know a guy who knows a guy. Goomer? Do you know Goomer? He's like the engineer guy, chief engineer there. He was the guy that I had met. No, the guy, the guy that I met when I spoke French. But the, my friend I was with, who knew, who had a connection with him, spoke French too. Mm. So they were able to. You look Belgian, actually. Really? Yeah, wow. you have a Belgian <laughs> look to you. That kind of that could probably help you out in the tour. War, war torn through the centuries look. <laughs> Indeed. So I brought you some beer. Oh, wow, thanks, Sean. I would love some. I hadn't brewed in about a year, and um, I uh, got on this kick to brew a rye beer because I didn't um, hadn't really brewed one before, but I didn't want to make it like a a rye PA. You want to just pass that around? Sure. I didn't want to make it a big hoppy beer. I really wanted to kind of expose the malt for what it is, because as you know, can you splash that up and give me some head? Yeah, yeah. It's this came right off the. Off the uh, right off the top, right off the right off the, uh, the serving tank. Actually, wow. what are you have a little glass? We have a special glass, John. It's a sippy cup. Exactly. That's it's my beer it's sippy. Cup. Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry about this. We don't have to drink this. This looks terrible. It's not carbonated. <laughs> it's designed to make Motor look bigger than he is. Yeah, those glasses. Right. We bought these two at the store. <laughs> we didn't steal these from yeah, anywhere. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they were not uh, they were not t- taken from any specific place. So I so I brewed this. It's really flat. I should have taken the time to really properly fill it. It's, the beer is fully carbonated, but I just jetted it right off. Tastes good. But um, it's got some a uh, little bit of caramel malt. It's only about twelve percent uh, rye. I like it though. And there's absolutely there's really not a lot of hops in it, and that's kind of why I brought it because I wanted to show you that you can make beer without a lot of hops in it. <laughs> yeah, things, this is actually no. the future in this glass. <laughs> the future in a glass. So, Well, let's start the show, and then we'll get into what this is about. That's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beers are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and all the beers you might drink in the future that don't have hops in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. The best part about beer school is? The homework. The homework is beer. I don't know what the homework is going to be for this show. You'll probably go out and find your <clears throat> favorite beer or find a good beer that doesn't have a lot of hops in it. <laughs> yeah, or find the hop beer that you like and really enjoy it. for Covet it. <laughs> Covet or go out and plant hops. Exactly. So across from me is uh, Sean O'Sullivan from 563 Second Street, the 21st Amendment. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm very happy that you could be here. <laughs> and uh, also with us is Stu Stewart from Belgium Beer Me. Still doing tours, talking about beer, Belgian beer in, in the shape of a class. Yeah. We just had a, a special uh, Belgian beer appreciation class this past Saturday at La Trap Trappist Lounge in uh, North Beach, we were literally, San Francisco. We were literally locked out of the classroom. <laughs> you know, I, know, I, I didn't. Bad about that. I didn't make the connection until just now, but I remember hearing about that and thinking to myself, "I've got to get over there for that." And well, I didn't make it. <laughs> you going to do time. it again next time? Yeah, probably uh, uh, next late next fall or early winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, well, thanks for trying. I appreciate you guys uh, trying to get in there. And, uh, well, we due were, to a logistical error, we were tardy. Yeah, that's okay. Did you have a note, by the way? <laughs> well, I was writing Motor's note, and he was writing my note. So. Uh, I wasn't writing your note. 
I was writing my note. Yes. For both of us? For both of us. The dog ate mine. The dog ate, yeah. Well, that's a usually a good good excuse. Actually, you have a dog for possibly. So it works eating. really yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a dog. It doesn't work if you don't have a dog. John, the one thing is, is when you say the name of my company, there's an exclamation mark at the end. Oh, I'm supposed to be excited about this. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's not, not Belgian bear me. It's, it's Belgian bear me. Belgian bear me. <laughs> <All right>. Dude. <laughs> uh, and as uh, I said, if you if you can't spell Belgian beer or me, you're not allowed to leave the country. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All yes. right. Well, the name of the show today is Hop Crisis. And we're here to talk about Hop that. Crisis. Yeah. And it's not it's – not, the kangaroos are being devastated by gravity or that kids can't do this anymore because it's uh, um, uh, the lack of coordination. Uh, lack, yeah, because of Wii or because of Nintendo or because of – or because it's uh, now against the law. You can't hop unless you have a helmet. <laughs> so don't give anybody ideas. It's coming up. I know it. You can't ride a bicycle without a helmet. You can't ride a pogo stick without a helmet. You can't skate without a helmet. Now it's going to be hop. That's actually I do that so with my own son. Of, <laughs> what sort of hops are we talking about then? Isn't that all of them? No. Okay. No, there's this other kind of hops, which are the uh, these pictures right here. That's <laughs> <laughs> good radio. <laughs> well, it it has gotten bad. So just to let everybody know how bad it was, there was a uh, there was a price increase across the board. In all of San Francisco, except for this one place, I'm like, "Wow, why is beer so cheap here?" <laughs> and they're looking at me like, "What are you nuts? This is this place. <laughs> this is this place." Like, oh, okay, sorry, didn't mean to offend you. But there was let's let's roll back the clock a little bit to about a decade ago. There was a hop, not a hop crisis. No, not at all. Much there was a hop, huge hop surplus. And what happened is that you had a lot, a lot of the large suppliers um, were uh, buying them up. They had, you know, it was like their their vaults were full of hops, and so price was price was low, very very low. And uh, you you had there was no problem getting hops. You can get whatever you want. There was a lot of different esoteric varieties and all that, and then uh, that all changed. So there was hops that was being stored that was two three. Five years old. Yeah, I mean, and all, uh, that, and um, you could get the newer varieties, especially for the aroma varietals. You always want to get those. Everybody always tries to get those very fresh um, within that uh, growing year. But uh, you know, a lot of the high alpha acid hops and all that were being stored up, and they were. And the other thing is that a lot of these hops are processed into extract, so which is what what, what the big breweries use. Uh, for consistency and all that in bittering the beers mm-hmm. where they're not adding all that green material. And uh, so that was going on. These big extract plants were sort of hops were being bought and processed. And you can store extract hops, which so, is like a basic, basically like a syrup in a right. little can. So they, those the extract hops, they don't really don't care what kind it is. They're looking just for the alpha acid. Well, typically it's they're just extracting the alpha acid off the hops. So there's no absolutely, there's absolutely no aroma quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um and because you want to get the most bang for your buck, you go to – you get the high alpha acid hop. Now, just to educate your listeners briefly is that the alpha acid is the bittering component in the hop. So certain hops have different percentages of alpha acids. So when a grower wants to grow hops and wants to grow a bittering hop, he'll grow the highest alpha acid hop he can get because, let's say, John, you have your little hop field in San Francisco and I mm-hmm. have my hop field in uh, Berkeley. You grow like 
15% off acid and I only grow a 6% off acid hop, you're going to get more money because the brewers are buying for alpha acid. The big breweries are typically. Okay. so. Because regardless of how many different varieties of hops like 21st Amendment uses, uh, it's Bud Miller and Coors who's buying up. It's just because of the volume of their operation, they don't have that many hops in there, that much, that many IBUs in their beer, but because of their volume, they're the huge 8,000-pound gorilla driving the market, right? Exactly. They're the, we're just kind of a little zit on their butt uh, or on the hot world in a the lot of ways. 4% on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, and, and actually, that's not entirely true in some ways. I always like to you know, paint them as the big bad boys, but um, a lot of other elements sort of caused us to get to where we are today. Okay. And, uh, but uh, back in the day, it was like buying, you know, you, you as a brewer, when I first started this about, what, 14 years ago, you would go to, it's like going to your neighborhood store and you saw your can of chili up there that you liked all the time and it was always the same <laughs> price. Well, now that can of chili is not there really. Well, and there might be a different brand, and it's really expensive. Right. It's like 7 10 20 bucks yeah. a pound now. Even more than that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, just to get into the meat of it, uh, what's happened, what brought this whole thing on is that you had this surplus, and the hop growers were – uh, the suppliers, actually, the people that were buying from the growers, uh, you know, basically the farmers, mm-hmm. um, they had this huge glut of hops, and and then they went back to buy these hops, and they noticed that the growers weren't there anymore because the growers weren't getting enough money. They were getting like 3 to $6 a pound or whatever it was, and they couldn't sustain, so they pulled a lot of their hop fields out. And what happened then is that this is what kind of started this sort of perfect storm that's happened within the last couple of years. So this started, and in reality, this really did start 10 years ago. You know, it probably did, maybe not 10 years ago, probably maybe five years ago. Okay. What's worrisome is that the hop suppliers, the people, the big companies like uh, Hop Union, Yakima Chief, uh, um, these these big hop suppliers didn't really see it coming. And I, I kind of wonder, like, if your livelihood is based on uh, something that's being grown and pulled out of the ground, wouldn't you be managing that a little bit more effectively than just assuming that the big hop surplus, the big pile of hops was never going to disappear? Right. So that You're was troubling, actually. Driving around cow country a couple of years ago, you notice there are no cows out there, and you don't really care whether or not your slaughterhouse is going to have anything to do in five years. That that's exactly what happened. Yeah, there's a, there's a graph that's on Hop Union that, talks, that shows this. This uh, I don't know, it doesn't look volatile until you actually look closely at the numbers. And there was two years where there was this, there was a really bad yields. Oh yeah, well that's that's the other thing that sort of contributed to this perfect storm. Um, you had huge droughts in Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, what Australian hops? Well, a drought in Australia. I don't buy hops from Australia. But what happened is that the Asia brewers were buy, buy a lot of hops from Australia. So that really affected them. So they have to go get hops somewhere else. They don't care what they are. Well, everybody cares what they are, depending on what you're brewing. Oh, no, I mean, what, I, what I'm saying, they care what they are to a point. They want high al- alpha acid hops. Yeah. They, they have their varieties they want, varietals they want. And, uh, but so the, the Asia breweries had to go somewhere else to get hops, you know, no matter what they were. I mean, right. um, so what's happened is that they came to the U.S. to buy hops. And so they were eating up the supplies there. So that was taking this now dwindling supply. And, you know, it's the classic economic, you know, thing, which is, you know, supply and demand. So supply goes uh, down and demand goes up. Prices go up. So 
we uh, and then the other thing that was happening at the time is that in, in Europe, same thing was happening. They had uh, drought, and then they had these crazy storms that were going on that real that that caused the um, hailstorms, right? Hail, yeah, yeah, exactly. Damaged the crops. Dom- damaged the crops, and you know they saw a reduction in the yield for their uh, their fields, and uh, so that caused another sort of element of where are they going to buy hops. And then you had the other one, which is directly associated with the U.S. economy, which is the dollar. The dollar is sinking. <laughs> Terrible right now. Right. So if you're in, an, in another country, it's a buyer's market for you. Exactly. You start buying, you know, hops from over here. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And so all those things combined together and where – or the you know, the other thing is that the hop growers weren't – some of them who were growing these hops where the – the surplus was coming from stop growing them and putting in apple fields or you know vineyards or exactly yeah. and so all these things contributed to where we are today and has put the whole thing into a tailspin especially for the small craft brewer who like i said in the uh, earlier analogy who was expecting to buy you know that can of chili and finding it there all the time because i was that brewer you know i would just buy and the, the alternative to that is contracting hops out and almost forecasting what your needs are and going out there and saying, okay, I'm going to buy these hops at these prices. And you become almost a, uh, a speculator. You're buying futures mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So, I have a question, John. Sure. Uh, Stu here. Sean, what do you know about uh, – I heard something about there was a, a large fire in a warehouse in eastern Washington that housed hops. Was there any truth to that? Well, yeah, that fire actually existed. What happened? <laughs> well, what happened is that hops are very volatile. They have a lot of oils in them and resins, which are highly flammable. So when they get these things sort of bound up in these burlap tarps, um, and they put them in an environment where the humidity isn't controlled, the temperature isn't regulated to a certain extent or monitored, you can have spontaneous combustion. That's exactly what happened. Did that, did that contribute to the shortage we're having you, you, right now? You know, I think that it may have had a slight effect on it uh, in the sense that it was kind of like, um, I, I guess it's kind of like we broke our arm, but then we also got a little cut on the other side, which is causing some problems, but that cut's going to heal. I mean, this that supply, <laughs> that supply will come back, but we're still dealing with this bigger problem of this broken arm. But you're right. Prices did kind of probably kind of go, and they were high alpha acid hops. These are hops that... Big breweries are interested in. I'm interested in high alpha acid hops. You'll have to add as many hops to a brew kettle when you're brewing beer. You know, at the you know 21st Amendment, than if I added lower alpha acid hops in order to get the certain bittering that I want. So, so if the hops is a certain amount per pound, and you have to have two pounds instead of one. Yeah. Then, but you still want some of the 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 more aroma boutique hops too. Yeah. That is uh, seems to be a casualty of all this. That. Some of the more delicate ones that you do to get the nose aren't going to be there because everybody's now trying to get high alpha acid so it can be pro- processed into uh, hop goo to pour in. You know, you're exactly right. It's like you look at yourself as a farmer again, and you're growing these hops. And uh, some of the great hops that we enjoy right now in the west on the West Coast, and are you know, if you're a hop head and you like IPAs, you know, your Simcoe's, your Amarillo's, your Atanams. Um, they ye- certain hops yield different amounts, and you get greater yield from uh, certain hops and not so greater yield from other hops. And those esoteric kind of boutique hops, as Motor called them, 
uh, don't yield that much, as much as other ones. So you might get maybe a 50% yield versus a 100% yield of like a certain bittering hop or whatever. So if you're that farmer, you're saying, if I can plant a one acre and get, you know, 10,000 pounds versus one acre and only get 5,000 pounds, and then think of it that way then, if you even take that figure further, and if you've got a hop that only produces 15% alpha acid, which is that bittering component we talked about, versus a hop that produces only 6%, I mean, it's like you just start subtracting off what you think your yield's going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, it's been an, it, this past year, uh, a lot of, Small breweries like myself, big breweries were doing this for a long time. The Sierra Nevadas, the Deschutes, the Sam Adams of the world have been um, contracting hops out five, six, seven, eight years, and you know, so keeping the price down for them. And now you have breweries that are paying. I just paid. I had to buy some hops because I panicked. I bought a lot <laughs> of hops at around twenty-two dollars a pound, which wow. these hops I would normally would have paid. Six, seven dollars a pound. So, what does that do to the price of the beer? Well, the well, like you said in your uh, your your introduction there, the price of the beer has gone up. It's gone up for other reasons, but yeah. the raw material cost of beer has gone way up. It's gone up with the hops, but it's also gone up with grain. And that's a whole, I don't know if you've talked about that in your show, but that's we've a whole a little, other. And we've talked thing a little there. bit about it, and it's a rant with me because I'm like, you know, <laughs> chase the SUV, sure, but. Remember that people are gonna well, want, are going to want other products. Yeah, like this. food, like food. <laughs> <laughs> and you know and, beer. And, and the idea that you know the idea that sure, right now it's a it, there's an advantage to the farmer to grow corn, but this is a short term advantage. Yeah, when algaes get u- used for for petroleum or for uh, uh, gas production or grasses or whatever other thing they figure out has a you know much like the hops has a higher yield uh, the those corn farmers are going to find themselves you know not able to sell their corn well they but, also have that beautiful subsidy built in exactly well, and, that's, and that's the thing that you know really torques me is like why are we subsidizing this if it's not self-sustainable then why are we doing it right especially when it's going to the, the very company that's uh Trying to keep you know the oil production gasoline line right. going. Well, and those guys, right. you know, those guys last year showed themselves a thirty-eight billion dollar profit. Yeah. Okay. Well, thirty-eight billion dollars, which our country burns up in two and a half days fighting a war, you know, seems insignificant. But at the and same it's not even a war over hops. No, it's not even a war over hops. It's not even a worthy <laughs> war. Ron, uh, Ron, <laughs> Ron, John. <laughs> You, have an, with, you definitely have an opinion about this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you, Sean. Sure. Um, can you talk about which states grow most of the hops in the United States and what percentage of states, Eastern Washington or whatever? You know, um, I am only aware of Yakima Valley probably growing most of the hops in the United States. I, I don't know, unfortunately, where other areas in the u.s that where they grow hops but i think massive amount of collection is in that area right there eastern washington yeah and, and there's some in the Idaho. environment yeah in oregon yeah, yeah in oregon. Yeah. oregon and i want to washington. say someplace in new york state but i might be wrong any in california 
No, California used to be a great hop provider producer, but then you know it's like kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, wine became more popular. Right. Sonoma County was a huge place yep. right. for 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 right. hops. Because you can still the, see the hop kilns up there, yeah. including a winery called Hop Kiln and a couple of other places. Right. Um, but uh, no, the hops in Sonoma County were gone. I think probably prohibition or maybe into the fifties. Mm-hmm. So I think the last. There was a Grace Brothers brewery in Santa Rosa yes. until the mid-60s. And so that probably did a little bit to keep it together because some of the old hop yeah. kilns, before they became wineries, didn't look that run down. So they, I don't know how late they were used. That would be an interesting topic to figure yeah. out. Right. Send, send our historian uh, on that one. Oh, yeah. You, you know what else got uh, <laughs> got run out was uh, apples. They used to grow a lot of apples. Yeah, oh, that makes Sebastopol. me sad. So that's all replaced by vineyards now, too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, uh, yeah. down in Silicon Valley, there used to be these huge cherry farms. And the cherry farms are all but gone. Replaced and by. they've been replaced by apples. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no. That's, that's, the, that's the one thing I can say it didn't happen. They've been replaced by other things, but not apples. Yeah, you know, it's like the it's like the ebb and flow. I mean, we're all in a panic now because we got a micro, you know, magnifying glass on the whole thing. Right. Um, but it's all going to come back, and right. the prices will come down. They can't sustain where they are right now, Mm-mm. and you know, prices of price of beer will go up. Uh, it should go up. Well, it I should think. have gone up a while yeah. ago. I mean, and there's other things, you know, uh, things that are attributing to that. Actually, you know, I've got a brewery in San Francisco. The price of doing business in San Francisco is crazy. Well, it's not so. just your building or mm-hmm. your taxes to, that you have to pay. It's yeah. the employees' tax and yep. the other tax on the tax and the it's uh, parking and, and parking is parking tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you know, I think it's 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 actually kind of interesting to be involved in it because it's almost like a puzzle. And you, I talked to I, you know, I talked to a, a hop guy today, and I've talked to I talked to him often right now. These are guys I know, but I'm really in their ear right now, trying to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on because I want to be on the radar because I'm starting this new production division at the 21st Amendment with the cans and all that, with the mm-hmm. watermelon, wheat, and the IPA. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we haven't, well, as, you, as you may know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, we, you know, we're trying to forecast what we're going to – we've forecasted what we're going to produce and all that, and we have to just make sure that we have the raw materials in-house to make that mm-hmm. – make those beers. So it's been uh, – you know, before you'd maybe look out f- for one year. Now you're looking at two, three, four, five years actually, and trying to make it work. So, um, and if brewers that I know brewers that aren't doing that right now and are really getting caught because what's happening is that there was this brewer, there was this hop guy named Gerard Lemons, Lemons, English guy, great guy, great. He was very, very bright red, brighter he- redhead than my myself, and uh, and he would and he worked for. Uh, one of the local hop providers, I think it was uh, Yakima Chief. He's this English guy. And he always would talk to me about, Sean, you have to contract your hops. And I was like, why do I want to do that? You just want to, you know, you just want to slot me in and take my money. And- <laughs> yeah. You just want to know what your commission's going to be. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and he was, you know, Yakima Chief was a, provi- a provider for a lot of hops for bigger breweries, bigger regional breweries mm-hmm. like Sierra Nevada and all that. And he got into their ears and all that, and they con- they started contracting and contracting and contracting. Well, this past year, or late last year, I sent Gerard an email, 
I didn't hear back from him. And I said, you were right. You were right. When you He's were so sitting there. signing contracts, that that's why you didn't hear back from him. Yes. What did that guy sound like again when he talked? Like, Sean, you have to get into the – actually, that sounded like a German accent. <laughs> you could probably do a good Sean Connery there. Uh, well, I'll have to work on that one. Sean. Yeah, you got it down there. <laughs> you must have hop contracts. Shaken, not stirred. And uh, thanks, Stu. I think I had another career there. Um, and uh, so, you know, he's it's come full circle, and he was right. He was right. He was right. And I'll admit it up and down. So now I'm all about the contract. I just signed a contract for last September for hops this year where people are paying $20, $25, $33 a pound. I even heard somebody today tell me the centennials are going for $50 a pound. It's wow. actually outrageous. I think that was just, you know. Well, a lot of people use centennial. Yeah, a huge. I mean, uh, one of the largest uh, users is uh, Sierra Nevada. I mean, but yeah. they've contracted it out and they had, the price is locked in. But they, uh, uh, you you know, you just you, you got to – You've got a plan. You've got to know what's going on. So, so I guess the question is: is that so? Let's say we get out of this perfect storm, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to take at least two years because if people are going to start chasing hop growing, we know that it takes two years for the vine to really become mature, mm-hmm. for it to grow to be a production hop vine. Does beer recover after that? Does it come back down, or does everybody start to live with that? new price no they will it will come down i've already <clears throat> talking to one supplier today where we're you know we're talking like i, I was i what was going to say earlier is that i was contracting my hops are around seven to eight dollars a pound that's what i contracted for mm-hmm. last september for this for the harvest you have to remember that hops are grown the harvest year is oh, like these hops this year will be picked in you know september and then we'll have them in 09 so it's always one year ahead you're always thinking like what harvest are you talking about so the harvest 07 hops i locked in for about seven dollars a pound eight dollars a pound um what's happened is that it hasn't quite it's going to take a couple years Mm -hmm. it's going to stabilize because what's what really kind of is jarring me is you're talking about you motor you were talking about these boutique hops like your simcoe hops your like the hops i was mentioning tanum amarillo and all that that we all like in the ipas and all that and the yield on those is like probably 50 percent of what other hops are so you've got the big hop that everybody's replanting so they're pulling their simcoe fields out the guy that has the guy the grower that grows simcoe which is the new hot hop that you have Pliny the younger and all this stuff elder and all this and uh and also the double trouble um, is uh, he has pulled a lot of his field out because he was only getting 50% of the yield that he would get from like a Columbus Tomahawk so CTZ hop is what we call it which is a high alpha acid hop with a lot of aroma quality to it so they aren't really doing it right they should probably put these hops in Expect to, we should all expect to pay a little bit more right. because we're using them sparingly you know it's like, like adding herbs and spices to cooking in a lot of ways and just realize that you're going to pay more for them. And, you know, tell this guy that you'll buy these hops, contract them out, and then so he'll plant these fields and know that he can rely upon this income. So, right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Guy pulls out his Simcoe field. He's not going to see yield for two years. Yeah. So, well, sometimes actually you can get there's some hops that you can get. I don't know if it's Simcoe. You can actually see yield the first year. Okay, but not a 50% yield. No, absolutely not. No. It's going to be a smaller. It's going to be a smaller yield in any case. And maybe the guy was, you know, maybe I don't have. I'm not a hop farmer. 
Mm-hmm. I, but I can, no, no. Play but, one I on could, TV. but I can look at you know you can look at a spreadsheet and go, what the hell are we doing? You know to ride this to ride this storm out. Yeah. You know we're better off leaving these in and charging market prices. Yeah, but reading others reading other stuff with farmers, there's a lot of sort of competition about you know what's your crop like, what's your crop like, and if you're sitting there and you're you're leaning back and trying trying to do the right thing or not jump to the forefront right. while other people are your neighbors will go oh look you know, he's only he's still doing this and i'm selling my stuff down to the to the processor and getting this right. and so maybe there's a little of that that playing in sort of the it's the same thing with with uh developers that'll just keep building until all of a sudden there's nobody to rent any of their space anymore <laughs> um it's sort of you know keeping up with the joneses in a way okay and, so let's say that you have a hundred acres of land mm-hmm. that's in a perfect place. We'll call it Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, maybe even California. Um, what What's to stop somebody from saying, I'm going to be a hop farmer? Well, I've actually, have had a lot of people approach me about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I've talked to Nico about this whole canning, uh, the production division that we've been talking about. So, hey, you know what? Why don't we just ditch that idea? Make hops. And we'll just grow hops. And, uh, well, I think that it's a great idea. Um, I think if you have the wherewithal to become a farmer <laughs> and live that lifestyle. Or if and, you're, you are a farmer. Or if you are. A, well, yeah, but uh, it would be interesting. You know, we've got a lot of, like, you kind of look at what, what's happening in uh, in England with these sort of uh, the boutique grain fields, like, you know, Maris Otter or Golden Promise, which are these are grain varieties that are used in a lot of beers, you know, in small doses. And uh, even, like, with the way we cultivate food, now in terms of you know uh, the whole you know organic uh, sustainable food thing uh, that maybe there's an opportunity for somebody to sort of jump on that and realize that hey you know what we could grow hops and maybe have these sort of esoteric varieties that nobody else is doing and maybe people will pay a little bit more like they do in this day and age with cheese meat uh, bread, broccoli. broccoli, you know, vegetables, those types of things. Back, back to our organic show. Ron touched on this a little bit from Thirsty Bear, saying one of the things is you have to have a kiln and oh, right. moving the wet hops, and then growing them is fine, but then you have to process them. Then, and so he actually spoke for a while, I think, on the show about thinking about could I build a kiln? What does it cost to build a kiln? And then that's sort of the thing that lets other people bring their their product to market and, right. and at right. least dry it. Well, that, or that, you could just do wet hot beers all the time. Well, the, <laughs> or maybe you can just truck it on up to to uh, Hop Union. Well, the other thing is that, uh, and this is a conversation I had today with uh, a supplier, is that because I asked them that very question, I've asked them it a couple times, and not everybody's going to pull out their fields and put CTZ in because what happens is that hops become mature at different times of the year. And so you've got your equipment all tied up. You have to like motor, you have to process, you have to kiln the stuff as quickly as you can. Right. You can't let it sit around. Otherwise, like Stu mentioned, you have this gigantic fire and uh, you, you or, or some other travesty. And so you have, and then you have to hire pickers and all that. And you have to have all this sort of labor infrastructure uh, structure, and then you also have to have the equipment there, the capital equipment, and all that. So, people are still going to grow these other hops. I mean, we haven't even we've talked about sort of the hop 
you know, the IPA varieties that we all enjoy. But the noble hops are the other ones that are a big mm-hmm. concern because the alpha acids are really low. These are the beers, these are the hops that you use in like uh, a lot of uh, lager beers, sort of the noble hop varieties mm-hmm. that are around three to five to six percent alpha acid in, in, in their extreme case. So you're still going to see those hops out there because it's you have to the grower still has to still wants to grow those we can't grow all the same hops all the time it's not like we're all growing out and making mcdonald's they they got to grow other things everybody wants something else you want your chicken mcnuggets you want your you know your fillet of fish you know Stu, you seem like uh you know what are you a uh, mcrib guy they sold all the excess mcrib to uh to berkeley for the dorms in the in the late 80s because yeah. i remember we were uh, hawking mcribs all did you Really? Oh yeah, there were McRibs. I'm more there. of a dollar menu guy. Dollar people menu guy. Loved, yeah. People were so excited when the McRibs came. <laughs> What's interesting is the shape of the bone in the McRib, and there is no bone. Right. Anyway, I have an idea. <laughs> this might be kind of crazy, but what if we got a hold of Willie Nelson and John Mellencamp and had a hop farm made? <laughs> <laughs> Could that work? Well, I, actually, I think we should use local guys. Like, uh, say uh, it. The Mayfire. The Mayfire. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. Call the Ro- Rolling Boyle Blues, blues band. band. The Rolling Boyle Blues Band. And, and yeah. uh, Lloyd could headline. Yeah. Yeah. He could sing his beer song. Hot Farm Aid. There we go. Yeah. Maybe throw in uh, Cold Hot Crash just because. You know, just as long as we're talking about local bands that are involved with beer. And the tubes. And the tubes. Who? And Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to 1979. So I, when, I was, when I was researching the show a little bit, I found some interesting patents about hops. And this one was from 1938. And it talked about method for emulsifying the essential principles of hops. Oh, wow. And so this is uh, down here on the bottom. Uh, the process for making an emulsion, an emulsion of the essential principles of hops consisting in mixing acetone with powdered hops in a closed container for the required <laughs> period of time to dissolve the lupulin, hop oil, tannin, and seed oil, obtaining a substantial portion of extract by percolation and thereafter applying sufficient pressure to express from the hops all the ex- extract <clears throat> therein adding active carbon to the extract in proportion substantially one-fourth ounce of active carbon for each pound of liquid extract hops, separating the, the active <clears throat> carbon or activated carbon from the liquid extract and adding the exact or extract in equal amount of malt syrup made from barley malt and beating the mixture together to produce an emulsion. How do you get the acetone back out? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> you had me an emulsification. Wow, I know it. Well, you know what they say. They say uh, large carbon footprint. <laughs> that means. Nobody's ever said that to me. What are you talking about? Well, so, you, you leave a really large carbon footprint. <laughs> uh, this yeah. was by the, from the National Hops Laboratory in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, it, was a, it was a corporation in 1938. You know, with certain hop varieties, um, growers own the rights to grow, you know, have them. Like the Simcoe guy is the only Simcoe guy. The Amarillo guy is the only Amarillo guy. Like the Millennium 48. Yes. He has a patent on his hops, which... uh there's a, there's the drawing, which is actually a photograph. <laughs> Could you hold that up to the camera? Yeah, exactly. Wow, okay, that's good. a big hop, John. It, it looks like something. That, looks like it looks like a dust mite. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know here, this is what's in your bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Don't something. you want to get a special vacuum cleaner thing yeah. and get rid of that? Yes. Yeah. Capture them. 
It looks like a uh, a crystal. Yeah. Top. One thing, but he but he talks about in the patent application. It talks about the process in in which they blended this hop until it became genetically stable. You know, it almost sounds like you're describing how to make crack or something there. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> like Actually, you secretly probably, gave it away. It's probably a very similar process because they use acetone in that, I'm pretty sure. I'm looking at these pictures of these hops. It's, like a, it's like a police lineup. <laughs> like a, <laughs> number four, would you step forward, please? I know That'd that hop. Which hop do you think you look like? Yeah, a little uh, Rorschach test. So then the last hop thing that I found was... Uh, uh, from 1969, filed in 1969. It took them two years to get it, and it was by Pfizer who who applied for it. And their experiment was with light struck beer and and hops, and they used different bottles. And they found that conventional hopped beer in green or flint bottles became light struck in three to five hours, and in uh, amber export bottle, it took ten hours for wow. it to become light struck. However, when they used beer hopped by adding hop extract emulsion to the cooled wort. It exhibited more than 24 times the stability of conventional hopped uh, in Flint export bottles, and in green bottles, the stability was improved 38 times. Yeah, that's because it's the green material that basically yeah. oxidizes, yeah. and then the oxygen is what destroys the beer. But the the thing was is that they said, well, if you're just going to if you use hop ep- extract, it's not going to break down nearly as quickly. Yeah. Which explains why Miller Lite is like it is. <laughs> well, no, it does. It's stable. It's very stable beer. Um, but this th- was the, the troll through the, the technical of this because, you know, if, uh, the patents are always the thing that protect uh, the process of making a company allowed to develop this and, and actually benefit from their, from their research. And uh, at some point, somebody must have thought that there was money in hops because they went to the trouble to fi- file a patent. Oh yeah. One of the upsides of this is going to we're going to get more interesting beers that we haven't seen before on the the uh board at our locals, I think. I I think you that's that's true in a lot of ways. I think the people who were smart and you know saw it coming or maybe at least reacted quickly enough, hopefully like me. Um uh, were uh <laughs> You know, you may not you can put watermelon in beer, right? Yeah. There's, you know, the great thing about watermelon wheat, absolutely no hops in it. Absolutely. It's, okay, I'll give you an example. This is why this is a great beer. Okay, so the it's pink, international it's sweet, and we love it exactly. The international bittering units. That's how you define the bitterness in mm-hmm. beer, and it's rated. It's a, it's a scale, it's a measured scale, and uh, with the with the watermelon wheat, it's 17 IBUs, and with our IPA, it's 75. So what that means is that there's more bittering in, it, in the IPA than there is in the watermelon wheat. So we don't need as many hops. So it's like a it's a done deal. It's a great thing. So you'll see a lot more watermelon wheat, different yes. varieties of watermelon wheat. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I mean, we we're kind of uh, jokingly like kind of it's already happened up, up the street there. We. We've got this rye beer that I made, and then Melissa Myers, who was the uh, brewer, old brewer at uh, at uh, Drake's, she came in we for a day and took her recipe, her Scotch ale, strong Scotch ale, mm, and she good. brewed a strong Scotch. Doesn't have a lot of hops in it, so yeah, you know, maybe you will see that. The big joke amongst the brewers, and if I hear another brewer say it, I'm going to choke them. Is that <laughs> we're going to make a lot of Gruet now? You know, <laughs> Gruet is that old world style before hops, where they're adding herbs and spices and things like that to sort of, you know, uh, balance out the malty sweetness of beer. So um, that's kind of the joke. That's the running 
long-ended joke in the brewing community. Well, we right were, when we did the Weird Beer show last week, we found basically a bunch of beers that didn't have a lot of hops in them that tasted very good. They, yeah. they, they didn't have to have the... And the, the beer from Italy, which was called Nora, uh, had pretty much no hops in it. And it had myrrh and, I don't know, some other... Frankincense? Yeah, frankincense or some other spice. <laughs> and it had, a little Christmas bit, beer. it had a little bit of hops in it for the preservative factor. But it wasn't like it was... It wasn't anywhere near a, a hoppy beer. Mm-hmm. Enchilada, my new favorite. Yeah, what is up with that? Motor, I heard. <laughs> hey, I talked hey. to Motor today. This guy, somebody has gotten in his head, and his chip has been switched because you're enjoying. What are you enjoying now? It's it's uh, Budweiser with it's it's a tradition. It's like a red eye. It's Budweiser is making a beer that's made uh, mixed with clamato. Which and is, what is clamato? Clamato is a seafood a, a seafood tomato disease, cocktail. <laughs> so it's it's like. Uh, it's like Manhattan red clam chowder dumped into your beer. And I, I've got it. John was very skeptical when we drove to the shady liquor store in the Mission to pick this up. Yeah. But he warmed up to it as we drank it, pretty much. Well, After, like, so, the fifth one. Yeah, after about the fifth taste, and it was the only beer that was left. The funny thing about, <laughs> this, go, the funny thing about this is I looked on Rate Beer afterwards because I was looking for another Oh, it's no, love or hate for another link for and it. I and think it's like it's like F F F F F A F F F F. I love it. I think it's a test to see whether or not you're actually an open-minded person. Are you? So, is there a clam product in there? Oh, it says it says contains seafood or contains shellfish on the can. Yeah, you have to say that probably, otherwise people would go into some sort of epileptic shock or whatever it is. Right. It 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 doesn't have a head. It has a like. It's a pink, gross sort of fluffy froth. It looked like a spider web. And as you drink it, you can you know there are chunks of tomato juice or whatever going down the side. So it's chunky style beer. It is, (laughs) but I got to tell you, don't laugh until you try it and keep an open mind. Let me. And then we're going to do maybe not on the show, but I want to do a taste test because there's a version made with Budweiser and there's a version made with Bud Light. Yeah, I've heard about that. But all you taste is red tomato clam juice. My point remains, why? Because it tastes good. No, no, no. Why would they have two different versions? Branding. I understand that, but still. It's another skew on the shelf. When I lived in Montana, we used to drink red beer quite a bit, but it was just Rainier with tomato juice in it. Yeah. So this is like a lazy man's red beer. Yeah. Yeah. This is the guy who doesn't want to dump two things together. Let me ask you this. How many cases have you gone through of this already? Oh, just the one can. Okay. That was the first time I ever tried it. Oh, okay. I I think you were drinking it the other night. No, I I saw it a month or two ago. And I'm like, i got to try this. And then when John said the theme was weird beer, I'm like, there you go. Weird beer. No brainer. Yeah, we actually had uh, the ginger beer. Made that was not just the soda, but the beer with ginger in it. it was down in the office and down the hall, and I didn't have the keys, so we could have had that. That was from Left Hand Brewery in Longmont, Colorado. Okay. So next time I'll remember and break into the office to steal beer. Good ginger beer. <laughs> You're not ever going to make that, are you, Sean? Ginger beer? Well, not no, unless things so- get. Well, I, I could make it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've thought about it yet. I mean, I'm sure that could. Maybe ID could pop in my brain one day, but I don't see it on the horizon right now. Not maybe, maybe not a whole, uh, maybe not a whole batch. You know, it'd be fun to maybe do something like that and have some other. You know, I'm noticing about this rye beer actually, the spiciness of rye. Yeah. You don't yeah. really, uh, 
you're not really aware of it until because you have like the big rye beer we've probably all had or maybe most of us hop rod rye from uh from bear republic right and uh they add a lot of hops to it but you really get the spicy and this is only 12 percent. i was talking uh, to jameel zanishev the big you know homebrew guy right. guru the pope and he uh he was telling me that I should have added 20%, but it would have been pretty aggressive. This is actually really nice. I think it's a – I'm liking the beer right now. Mm-hmm. Now, as you all know me, I will probably hate this beer next week. I can't believe you like it <laughs> You right eventually now. hate all of your beers. <laughs> eventually hate them all. It's like old girlfriends. You start – you like them once, and then eventually you're like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> or maybe an old bed. <laughs> Well, that's a better analogy because you have fond memories of it, but then when you go back to it, it's like, oh, what was I thinking? Well, also the problem is the bed sags and you have to get a new one. Yeah. So speaking of home brewers, let's talk about the home, the home, what, how this affects the home brewer. Because I imagine the lack of hops being available affects them probably more than any. Do you hear them out there right now? No. Do you hear them? Help. Help. There they are. Yeah. They're scurrying in the streets right now. Help. Yeah, well, the 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 thing that will affect them is if if because they have to go through an intermediate intermediate what's the word intermediate thank you supplier um, that uh, in order for them to get the hops so those people have to be on the ball so like your beer beer and more beer your oak barrels your uh, your homebrew shops the world your brewmaster down in San Leandro they have to really be on the ball about it and uh, but they will pay more. They will pay more, but I would probably pay. They will pay on the scale (laughs) on the scale of brewing costs. They probably will have the biggest increase because they're buying ounces of it, not pounds of it. But I would say they'd be more concerned about scarcity rather than cost. Yeah, you know, at the homebrew level, you're exactly right. Although, you know, there are people that brew for you know they brew because it's cheap because it's cheaper than buying beer in a bottle or can for that matter. But uh, yeah, you're right. Probably it's a scarcity issue because it's already happening right now. You go to some of these homebrew shops and they they're missing hops. They don't you know you yeah. see the void. I would I would put an alarm on the uh, on wherever you store the hops at the brewery to make sure that there are no rogue homebrewers <laughs> coming and stealing. You know we were Nico and I were out in the Midwest visiting a brewery that we want to do production with, and uh, we've been talking about the hop crisis with the brewmaster there, and also we saw this huge pallet of like Cascade and Centennial or like. You just got those laying around right there, don't you? <laughs> There's a forklift over there. Came back yeah. the next day with your empty duffel bag. There's a there's a stainless steel pipe right over there with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're probably right. We should. And you know, it's funny because sometimes you spill hops when you add hops. Yeah, you got to pick them up and use them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going into boils. What, so. what do you yeah. call that beer? <laughs> call it the floor beer. <laughs> floor beer. Just translate it into French. Call it a Belgian. It'll be good. Yes. What is Florin Flemish? Do we know? Or French? Uh, or do we know? Floris. Flor. Mm. <laughs> is it Floris? I don't know. If you know, call in. <laughs> yeah, call in. <laughs> yeah. So operators uh, are standing eight, by. 888. That's no, the other number. Uh, 206-666-5338 is the number for the Beer School Robot. If you know what Flor is in Flemish. French. 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 Let us know. Or Dutch. Or Dutch. We'll take Dutch, too. Well, we'll take any language, really. Uh, all right. Not even English. <laughs> Not English. Okay, good. Floor in English is floor. You know, that was actually wise of you, John. You've opened up the complete contest to every single listener across the world. You've not just, you know, centered on, you know, certain parts of Europe. You're also speaking to the Japanese listener. Right Have now. you mailed out all the dinosaurs yet? Not yet. <laughs> I, see, I see that's gone. No, that's over here. And oh, okay. it got cleaned up. <laughs> that's for the next contest. Um, 
do we have a contest? Oh yeah, we don't think. Well, you have a thing. The reason why you're here today, you you figured out the whole devil story that you're trying to remember. All <laughs> oh, right, right about the, about the hop duval. Last time I was on, I was having a senior moment. I couldn't remember the story exactly, <laughs> and I was talking about how I visited the uh, uh, International Hop Museum in Popering, Belgium. Have you been there, Sean? No, no, not yet. They, They're going to have to lock it up now. Apparently, people are going to go try to steal the exhibits. Yeah, at the Hot <laughs> Museum. Uh, ben Stiller's doing a movie about it. Night at the Hot Museum. Maybe you've heard of that. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> hey, we've gone too far. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I went to the museum and they had just redone it. It's beautiful. It's in it's in an old uh, uh, hop warehouse. And you know, I went there and I'm thinking, oh, on a scale of one to ten, how interesting is this going to be? Right? I thought maybe it's going to be like about a four. But I have to admit, it was about a nine and a half. It really? was really quite fascinating. They documented the whole history of hops, and they, they had hops you could smell, and little movies, and uh, audio, and it was it was great. The kids were loving it. They, they had no idea what was going on, but it was very interactive, and they loved it. <laughs> they could push buttons and smell things. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what you mean. I got a four-year-old. That's what it was. <laughs> and then they had like little uh, quizzes you take after you get through a certain section where they would test you to see if you were paying attention. The kids loved that. So it's like, you know... Uh, eight-year-old kids were experts on hops. So you know, it's funny. I've been to Poppering. I saw that that, was, that museum was there, and it's interesting that you went there because I was thinking it was like, you know, old, stale props with cobwebs on it and, like, <laughs> oh, no. some old woman going, like, it's 10 euro. They've, they've completely redone <laughs> Don't it. Don't touch anything. It's, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really great. If you're out there anywhere uh, within uh, um, uh, distance of travel, go there. Uh, in fact, this year, I'll, uh, a shameless plug for Popering, they're having their hop festival. They only have it every three years. Really? And it's going to be, I believe, sometime towards the end of sub- middle end of September. Wow. They have a big parade, and they have a hop queen, and so it's, it's quite the deal. So anyways, I, I go to this uh, museum this past October, and one of the historical exhibits they have, John's thinking of a joke. <laughs> I can tell I thought of it. It looks like a whole different meaning to jumping. The queen. <laughs> the hot queen. <laughs> the hot queen. All right. It didn't quite get made. but Great. Now know. I can never go back to Belgium. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you made that joke on the air. I'm glad no. the writer strikes over, Visa though. Visa denied. <laughs> so they, they had this uh, historical exhibit about uh, the hop duvel. Uh, duvel means devil in uh, Flemish. And um, in Belgian beers, there's there's a beer that's called Duvel that's very popular. Many of you probably know about, and I know you guys have all had. And there's Lucifer, and there's Satan. And so I used to wonder, what's all this devil, hell <laughs> imagery with Belgian beer? What's up with that? Because, you know, in the United States, some people are a little bit more sensitive to that. You know, the, the voodoo surrounding it all or whatever. But the story is, uh, and I'm going to try to relay this the best I can, when God was creating the earth, he sent his archangel Lucifer to the bottom of the sea to get the mud that would contain all the ingredients to create all the plants for the uh, land masses for the earth. So Lucifer went down there and he got some mud from the bottom in his hands and he got some in his mouth and he surfaced. And then he gave it to God and he created all the trees and plants. And then Lucifer wasn't feeling so well, and um, <laughs> he uh, he felt something in his throat. It was kind of scratchy, and at first he thought it was nothing, but then he realized it was something. 
And what it was is it was a hop vine growing in his throat, uh. and it was causing him discomfort, and he had a hard time breathing. And God showed mercy upon Lucifer and pulled it from his throat and named him the hop devil or the hop duvel. And that's where the imagery comes from. Wow. Interesting. I never even knew that. Why did I knew that, that uh, Duval meant devil, but I didn't know what the association was. I just figured they were a bunch of devil worships. Or, no. It's no. A, it's a hop <laughs> well, apparently they are. They should be then. Yeah. It's a hop thing. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Wow. Nice. Visit the Hop Museum in Popering and the Hop Festival this fall. And when you need to start another planet, just go down to the bottom of the ocean that's all muddy and pull yeah. up some mud. And yeah. Put some in your mouth, throw it in your hands. And it's just that, that, that easy. A lot of, yeah. That showed a lot of dedication there. Uh, if I was sent to the bottom of the ocean to pick up mud, I wouldn't go um, in two handfuls. Well, might, have held, might have been able to hold your breath longer. That's probably why he did it, you know, as a cap. Maybe he didn't know he was doing it. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was divine yeah. intervention. <laughs> Maybe. It, it's interesting. So, yeah, the Belgians are definitely into the, the doofle imagery. Fascinating story. Well, what else do we know about hops? Are we going to talk about anything else? It's all going to be okay. Okay. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to take a couple of years to shake out. You brewers out there, get your see- contracts in. That's all I got to say. That's my big advice. Call your <laughs> hop supplier today and forecast for the next two years. Are we going to see a ten dollars IPA? You probably will from Dogfish Head. <laughs> <laughs> Our two hundred and forty minute boil. Yeah. I, you know, I uh, six, seven, eight years ago. I paid $7 for a pint, and I forget the name of the... It was a brew pub right next to... It used to be the AT&T building. That's the Sony building in Midtown Manhattan. Typhoon. Okay. Typhoon Brewery. I paid $7 a pint probably 1998 or something. Well, that's probably wow. 10 years ago now. You know, it'd be interesting, actually, and I haven't really kicked it around, but I've heard some people talking about it, is that maybe you pay... There'll be different pricing for different beers. We already kind of do that right now with stronger alcohol beers. Uh, we people pay more at the two one a or they get it in a smaller glass, and maybe you start to have to do that with hoppy beers, beers where you're adding more hops. Well, I don't think the hopheads will mind. You know, no, I don't think so at all. I think they'll, they'll, and it might actually help because I know that a lot of people when they come into the the twenty one a and they're trying to figure out what they want, they'll look at the board and it's all a mystery, and they see the simplest thing to order, which is IPA. Yeah, and I don't know how many people actually who order IPA like that actually like IPA. No, you're exactly right. And, I, and I've seen all kinds of empty or nearly full glasses at the at the end of a you know at the end of a night and it's like okay that's IPA that's IPA that's you guys are morons. You know, and maybe what you need to do is change the name of it to something simpler or India something more complex. Pastrami. Change it to pastrami. change the price. Or or the other thing is maybe, you know, to protect it Make it so that the the pale or the blonde is the simple thing to order. Yeah. Well, uh, you're kind of right in some ways. People do order by color, though, and sometimes they get confused by that. I remember a couple years ago at the Fairfax Beer Festival, I had brought my St. Patrick O'Sullivan's Irish Red, which is this amber color beer in our IPA. The the Irish Red was around 5.2% alcohol, 5.5% alcohol. The IPA was around 7.2%. It was a lighter beer. In color, yeah. and when people would come up, they'd see the lighter beer because we display the both beers in pint glasses, and they, point. and they order the lighter beer, and you're like, <laughs> they want, they say, I'll have the lighter one, even though you could tell they're yeah. not going to enjoy it, yeah, and you're just like, you're going to get ruined, oh, like like Triple Rock's titanium, like yeah, 
that yeah, it's put, like you know, put an elephant down. Yeah. What about blending beers? Is that going to be more of a trend? Yeah. Well, I think it probably already is right now. People are certainly blending different types of beers, especially if you're brewing one type of beer and you don't really get what you want when you're brewing it. But I think what you're talking about is like you take your amber and you take your IPA and you blend them together and you end up with something else. I, I don't know what the result would be that you know you'd have a different type of beer, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not. You know, why don't you just brew that beer to begin with? I'm actually a big. I hate blending beer, you especially at the tap. <laughs> and I know, and I actually, I don't know if it still happens. You guys hang out more at the two one A than I do, actually. Thank you, <laughs> for paying my salary, but. Um, <laughs> I, I used to have strict orders, and I think it's probably waned motor. Actually, it hasn't. <laughs> um, people, I don't like I've people. i do it for anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Where people blend beers. I can't stand it. Like, it's popular to have, like, a foggy bottom. Like, that's a popular beer at a, brew, at a tap bar in the East Bay. And it's basically, uh, what is it? It's like Liberty Ale, them. and they splash, like, Anchor. Um, no, Foghorn and... Foghorn on top. Foghorn on somebody's rear end or something. I yeah, it's like this... I can't stand that, Stuart. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm I think so it's kind of angry a, it's right like now. It's a trend with consumers. I noticed I was up on uh, Mackinac Island, Michigan this past summer. It's where I live in the summertime. And uh, there's a famous bar there called the Pink Pony. And they sell a lot of uh, Bell's Oberon. But because it's a high-octane beer and people want to quaff beers all night, they don't want to drink Oberon all night. So they combine it with a Labatt's Blue, and they have what's Whoa. called a Blue Baron. A Blue Baron. Wow. A Blue Baron <laughs> upon Mackin Island. That's a great name. That's what you should rename the IPA, the Blue Baron. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, no one will so, order that. No but. charge. Grin yeah, and so, nod. So consumers are taking matters into their own hands. Yeah. Not hoppy enough. I'll fix that. Yeah. Well, there's always a maybe have a bottle of hop extract. In your pocket. I've seen people do that. People sometimes uh, carry hops in with them. No, I remember. Like, a little flask. Yeah. At uh, good old Mendocino Brewing's original brewery up in Hopland, they had a hop trellis, and during during the summer, it'd be full of hops. I don't think they used the hops. And we'd sit there and get our pitcher of red tail back when it was delicious. And, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> pour pints and then go, <laughs> dry hopping. And it works. I mean, it's, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, don't laugh about that. That's a real thing. <laughs> I don't get it. We'll charge them by the the hop. Yeah, that's a great right. idea. There's a there's a market there. Yeah, it's like uh, serve hops. It's could, a buck you, a hop or something like that. Two yeah, bucks it, a hop. Would you like a side of hops and you put out like five hops for ten bucks? Yeah. Sean, can I ask you a random uh, question? Usually the third date. No, okay. okay. <laughs> 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 All right. No. Uh, are you guys uh, experimenting with any kind of uh, uh, cast conditioning of any ales or beers? Well, we do um, we do cast night on Wednesday nights, so we've always kind of done that. Um, there's other breweries that, like Magnolia in the Upper Haight that really have a whole program developed around it. Um, hasn't really caught on with us. Uh, we've sort of have some diehards that come in, and also could because it's also iPod night the same night, so ah. come in and play your own music. But uh, I like cast beers. Actually, there's a great festival coming up next weekend. Yeah, Ooh, don't miss this. How about just aging in wooden barrels in general? You know, I have done that a little bit, too. Um, want to get more into that. Had fun with that. Uh, didn't really take advantage of it as much. I had an old um, wild turkey barrel that, that I had gotten and uh, had aged some beer mm-hmm. in it. And uh, this time around, actually, I think I played with aging in a American oak barrel. Um, well, the issue with the 21A is that you just don't have 
the room. No, no space. There's no. There's like room for a barrel. Yeah. Well, I'm actually the top of the uh, walk-in. I uh, can sustain some weight. I've been sort of halfway looking into how much weight I can put up there. Well, block and tackle to lift it up. Yeah, but uh, you can also like just do the whole process up there. But uh, that's interesting. You should bring that up, Stuart, because that's another way to sort of get flavor in a beer through the tannins, through the oak, and all that. It almost contributes sort of a bitterness uh, or mimics a bitterness with the oak tannins and and whatnot um that could you know if you had a problem with hops or you wanted to do something different you could yeah. use that you could do that so i just had a couple different um old stock ales from north coast up in fort bragg they have uh, uh been expanding their program into aging stuff in wooden barrels and they, they did one in a bourbon barrel and one in a brandy and uh, uh i especially liked the bourbon barrel oh yeah that was just really those guys are doing a great job up there. They also do that with uh, Old Rasputin, uh, Oak Age Old Rasputin. Um, in fact, I heard somewhere that it was going for like seventy-five to a hundred dollars a bottle or something mm. like that on eBay wow. or something really? like that. The, yeah, the ten-year anniversary <clears throat> one or just no? I think it was the ten-year. Was that Old Rasputin or was that, that a special was, beer? That was, that, was, like a, that was a Rasputin X. Yeah, that's an awesome beer. Yeah, that beer was hard to find, and they um, you had to go there to get it. Yeah. And people and were selling it on the two. yeah. So bring all your friends when when you go back in time to get it or a disguise. That's right. You can do that exit. Too. Put on a hat. Yeah. Buy more beer. Exit. Put on the nose. <laughs> buy more beer. Exit. But that that uh, gravity uh, festival is coming up at next Saturday at uh, Triple Rock, isn't it? Next yeah, Saturday. No, it's it's April. Or is it the week after? It's the week after. It's April sixth. <clears throat> okay. And, and after, that's all going to – they have uh, Oak Age beers there as well as cast condition beers there as well, just in great. stainless. That's a good event. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with uh, the homework. <clears throat> What's the, the homework? homework? The homework is beer. <laughs> John, <laughs> you don't say it right. You have to get the intonation. I don't I – don't Okay. Um, you know what the best part about beer school is? The homework. The homework. That was the beer. That's, no. No, the homework's the beer. Okay. That's the best part of our beer okay. school. It's the homework. You say that in kind of a small yellow bus guy, though. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yellow bus. The yellow bus part of the show last night on the Brewing Network was hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. That was uh, that was pretty funny. I didn't listen to a lot of the show because I was doing other things while you were on well, the air went, for five hours. You went, to see, you went to see the Weekend Zombies. Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend. Yeah. And uh, actually, I was like, "Who are who is Vampire Weekend?" And I queued up uh, something off of YouTube. I'm like, "I know these guys. These yeah. are, this is a fun band." Yeah, they were a lot of fun. But I had started the day in Lodi, went out there to pick up wine at a winery that was closed for the day, and ended up having lunch in Lodi, and then came back out to the East Bay, and then went. And then the whole time that show was going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the Brewing Network's longer shows. That was the longest show, I think. And we'll thing, top that someday. The thing that was pissing me <laughs> off about that was that Paxton had brought this amazing, uh, this amazing dish. This, uh, I don't know. Yeah, what shepherd's, was it? Shepherd's pie. Oh yeah, and it was uh, with sweet potatoes on the top instead of mashed potatoes, and lamb and carrots and potatoes and all Ooh. that on the inside. It was so good. I'm getting hungry now. Yeah, Sounds great. But it just took forever to get there, and I was like, "Can we go eat the?" the pie i don't care about the show just like oh i heard you say that actually let's get the food let's just go for the food yeah and you know at some point you just go okay that's we're 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 out we can't keep all right he has a dedication to his listeners that 
I don't know. It was tested last night. Yeah, well tested last night. And you could tell he was getting pissed. Anyway, so the homework is beer. Um, I would say that the homework this time is going to be two things. One, enjoy a hoppy beer while you still can. (laughs) (laughs) I I make this out to be like, you know, gloom and doom and and trouble. But just remember that a year from now, it's all going to change. It'll be a different scene. And really enjoy, I think, uh, enjoy a hoppy beer from a local place if you can do it. Because the small guys are the ones that are probably going to really feel the pinch. Yeah. And so the IPA that you can get from your local, you know, that's just down the street from you. Uh, really enjoy that, and I know that if you if you live in Belgium, and you are a listener of the show, they don't have a lot of IPAs there. But the guys that are the brewers there are nuts for them. Oh yeah, you know, they're all about that. Like wow, we would have never made this beer. So I think that the West Coast beer style is going to infect that country. Definitely in a major has. Way. Like grass, they have infected us. Grass is greener, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Sean has a great story about that, but I don't think he wants to tell it today. You know, the one thing I'm trying to wrap my brain around is how worried we should get about this whole thing. And you know, Sean's advising us, you know, just chill out, don't worry. But maybe to help the consumers know how worried they should get, we should develop a color system, like the, <laughs> like the terrorist alert system. Oh yeah. So if this is like a, a, a hop alert, yeah, like an yeah. orange hop alert, you yeah. know. Or you buy coupons, and you have you have rationing. That, that, that if your birthday falls on an even day, uh, was that only a California thing or was that national? Odd even days. Even or odd for when you could fill up your gas tank. Well, so that you know, might show your ID. Yeah. And if you were born in an even year, you can you can get an IPA uh, on Tuesdays and, and uh, Thursdays and all that. <laughs> and nobody can have IPAs on Sunday yeah. just to inject some, you know, all or right. Saturday. A- a- Amber Alert is the worst, so watch out for that one. Yeah, you got to watch out for that. <laughs> but those signs are everywhere, though. <laughs> so then uh, part two of the homework is to, to seek out a beer that doesn't have a lot of hops in it. And that can be, oh, my gosh, lots of different things. Yeah. Like a watermelon wheat, for example. Watermelon wheat, you know, your scotch ales, your stronger ales typically don't have a lot of hops in them if they're the, not like uh, an IP, double IPA. Radeburger. Radeburger. Yeah. Water's favorite beer. <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, Guinness has a lot of hops in it. Its IBUs are up there. Right? Are they really? Yeah. I know and I was surprised. <clears throat> we looked this up, and it was, it was much more than I thought it was. It was like 50. Wow. So, oh, so there's that. Um and uh, Stu, do you want to? Yeah, I want to give a shameless plug for uh, Belgian Beer Me, if I may, before we sign off here. I've got a, a special beer tour leaving May 28th. It's called the Ardennes Mountain Spring Beer Tour. And we're going to be primarily in the southwestern, or southeastern, rather, region of Belgium. We're going to visit breweries like Caracol and uh, Chimay and Orval and uh, the, mount, the mountain beers down in there. Anyways, uh, a special offer to listeners. If they sign up for this tour by going to belgianbeerme.com by April 1st, I will take $150 off the cost of the trip Cool for listeners of uh, Beer School. And, uh, but they got to sign up by April 1, and this is the Arden Mountain Spring Beer Tour. Go to belgianbeerme.com. So what happens if they sign up after April 1? It's like 50 bucks off. Um, that's negotiable then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great region of Belgium. That's a, probably it's going to be a great tour. I mean, that's a beautiful Everything area down there. Everything's going to be blooming. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And then if uh, that's too soon for you, I have the Lonely Monks Trappist Tour, October 18th through 27. And then uh, the Essen Christmas Beer Festival Tour, December 6th through 15. So 
keep them in mind. And, and thanks really, for letting me promote it. I yeah, appreciate no it. Sean, you have to tell your uh, story of IPA in Belgium. Oh, God. you mean when I <clears> – <throat> okay. Yeah, well, I was down in the Ardennes, uh, uh, just like uh, where Stuart's uh, tour is going to be at the Schuf Brewery. And um, I went down there. Um, I'd made a connection with the owner, Christian, and uh, we uh, kind of exchanged emails. And then I learned that he was an RC plane uh uh, he had a lot of a big interest in that and hobbyist, and uh, he wanted me to. He contacted me and he asked me if I could bring over a bunch of parts that I could buy online <laughs> and basically mule them over for him. And so, isn't that smuggling? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, it's, it's just a bunch of servos. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I brought him over and um, met with him, and then the, then hung out that night in this small little town in Ashuf, which has a population of about 25, and I think doubles when the brewery employees are in is town. Is Chris Brower you're talking about? Yeah, okay. Christian, yeah. Okay. And uh, then um, we, uh, the next day, got there. They were having a tasting, a degustation, for uh, the Ashuf, the Hoblin Doblin Ashuf, uh, which is their double IPA they were making, and they wanted me to come and try it after they gave me this tour. And they, I had brought some of my Imperial IPA, my Double Trouble IPA over. So it was, and they took it, and they took a bottle of it, and they took it up to their lab, and they were running an analysis on it for me. And they says, Sean, would you like to come try the degustation for the Oblin Dublin IPA? And I was like, yeah, of course, it sounds great. So I'm sitting in this room with the owner of a shoof, yeah. the brewmaster, a lot of the lab employees, and some of the other brewers. And I'm tr- the, I'm trying this beer, and they're photographing me because this beer was designed for the American market. It was right. actually designed explicitly for uh, for export, and it was the oddest thing in the world. And there, it was, and it was classic. Like I've tasted a lot of homebrew. People ask me what they think of it, and I felt like I was in this situation. But here I am with these like guys that are carrying on this crazy tradition yeah. uh, of brewing these wacky beers over there. And I was like, it's very nice. You know, it's great, yeah. And then I kind of got into it a little bit. He says, well, you might want to try this. And uh, I had learned, actually, uh, there's this thing called the hop uh, uh, lava or the, or, the, or the hop volcano that happens sometimes when you dry hop a beer where you're actually adding uh, dry hops into uh, a fermenter. And sometimes you'll have the the nucleation of the hops with the CO2 within the beer, and the, guy, the, the hops will come up back f- up over the top of the uh, fermenter, you know, spilling out this greenness all over the place, the hop volcano. And it happened to this, uh, to this brewmaster there. So then the next part of the story is that after I tried this and we're drinking and all this, they open up my bottle, which is like a classic West Coast-style Imperial IPA. It's got a lot of malt, got a lot of hops, right. got a lot of aroma, and it was this weird thing where it kind of awed the room. And I felt very humbled by the experience and really kind of uh, proud of it. Uh, I'd also brought a bottle of uh, a Belgian beer I had brewed, um, something like Duval or something, whatever it was at the time. And this was another part of the same trip, and I had this Belgian guy try it. He was like, taste it. He's like, what is... I'd added all these spices, and he's like, well, what is with you Americans and coriander? Because I'd gone way <laughs> over the top with the yeah. coriander. So I had the juxtaposition of being in this you know, picturesque town with all these great brewers who I admired and all that, and really kind of like shining there with the beer that I knew how to make, you know, IPA, and then having this other one which is completely shot down for trying to, you know, imitate a style that I had absolutely no business trying, or trying at least, but I will never bring a Belgian beer that I brewed to Belgium ever again. So bring my IPAs all day long. I'll beat them up with that. 
That's a good story. When when I was there, I had something I never had before, and maybe it's more common than I realized, but they have, I think they call it a, a McShoof Royale, where they put port in their beer. Have you guys had this before? No, I have not. Yeah, that they, they pour a glass on draft of their McShoof, and then they have a big bottle of port wine, and they splash a couple ounces in there and give wow. it to Wow. It was delicious. Mm. Yeah, it's a great brewery. And they were bought out by Duval, basically. Yeah, Duval Marcotte. Yeah, so... Yeah. They're the little big brewery that got bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're probably going to see more and more Shoof over here now. Sean O'Sullivan, 21st Amendment Brewery, 563 Second Street, San Francisco, California, 94107. <laughs> if you want to send him a postcard saying thanks for being on the show. It's great. Thanks for having me. 21st-amendment.com. Yeah. That's the web address. There's a link on the Beer School website for the 20. 20- 21A, uh, a lot along with the law, along with all of the other San Francisco breweries. So there's lots of stuff coming up. Uh, get your tickets soon for the uh, Boonville Beer Boonville, Festival. Yeah, the Boonville <laughs> Beer Festival that's coming up. Um, no dogs. Flights into Ukiah no fill dogs. up early. No <laughs> guns. <laughs> Next year, no hops. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we have one last thing to say, and that is... Class <laughs> dismissed! I like to watch the meters. <laughs> we have, I've changed all the meters around, so it sounds different today. Do you, Did you uh, change the meters to feet? No. Oh. I left them as meters. I'm yep. not going to make the spaceship crash on the planet Mars. That wouldn't be a good thing, John. No. You like the lights, huh? I like I like watching the lights go up and down when I when I speak. Nice. Sometimes I just hey, speak I had one looking in that and, direction. And it's, a, it's it's technical and you'll be able to answer it. And that is why is why can't you extract all the hops out of out of why is there a conversion? What so do you for mean? example, well, they were talking about how there's how the hop has like 12% or mm-hmm. 15%. The alpha acid the alpha contents, acid. yeah. So why isn't it that you can't extract more out of it? Well, because it only produces so much. It's okay. like uh, there's only so much resins and oil. Resins is the bittering component in the hop. It contains the alpha acids, and there's only so much in there. There's only 15%. You can't get any, any more out of it. So apples, so apples are all apples, but apples taste different because mm-hmm. you breed different apples for different characteristics. Right. So the efficiency of your system has nothing to do with the, the hop ex- uh, well, extraction. that's a, th- okay. Well, the extraction. Well, you're talking about utilization, hop yeah, utilization. That's what I meant, utilization. Yeah, hop utilization can uh, be different depending on the size, the the design of your brewery, the design of your kettle. You know what the hydrostatic pressure is. Is your brewer, is your do you have a good roiling boil? Is the is the kettle getting hot enough? All those things. The dimensions of the kettle. Anytime you build a kettle, you always want it to be uh, taller than it is wide to sort of create this pressure to to maximize the rolling boil potential. Okay. So and you don't want to. Does it? Is there? Is there? Is it hot all the way through or evenly, or is it? Is that a factor as well? Well, it's it's uh, hop utilization is a is a chemical reaction okay. um, where you're pulling out the uh, the bitterness from. Um, from the hops, it's also a heat reaction, and it's a mechanical. Or actually, the bombardment of the material within the kettle, and so that's why it's important to have that boiling aspect of it, where you've got that churning. So, anytime and it's like a pot of boiling water, there's different parts of it that probably have different temperatures, which creates that different. Right, uh, that's why the spinning spins around and stirs itself. Yeah, 
That's exactly why it does that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if we could, uh, you know, if spaghetti was bitter, we'd probably use that and throw that in the beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hops do the same kind of thing. Exactly. They, they spin around. And then uh, we didn't even talk about the difference between uh, between f- using fresh hops and and pelletized hops and and that well more uh you using you get more utilization better utilization with pelletized hops than you do with whole hops because there's just a lot more material in whole hops but where you get the best utilization is hop extract okay because you can be consistent and you don't have to use as much because you're not there's not a lot of other stuff in there but the hop extract has been changed it's like you know the way that the process but the only the only reason you'd use hop extract is to pull the is for bittering is okay. to pull the bittering off so it's just so they're also a hop oils they also extract hop oils and you can use those for aroma as well so uh, rather than using the green hop it's chimay for instance it's the funniest thing i went to chimay once and they this is that same tour actually down in the shoof and uh, you know, there was not a single fresh hop in the entire place it's all these little tins and they all say hop union on them from yakima <laughs> valley up in washington it was like one of those things you're like Huh? But you're here, <laughs> and you all look like holy people, <laughs> and there's a tin here from Washington. <laughs> it's God's country. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I, and that's fine with me, by the way, God. <laughs> I just had yeast yesterday. And <laughs> uh, well, okay, that answers that question. You guys count God as one of your listeners. That's great. I don't. He's just the somebody's the original zombie, <laughs> <laughs> and I only celebrate Egg Day. <laughs> what is the kid going to do today? Plant John some drove, hops. You walked. Plant hops. Hey, kid. Plant hops. <laughs> <laughs>